the fire. Whenever they're entering a classroom and they're being told that their parents have some kind of dysfunctional way of thinking, then that creates fear. Fear creates anxiety. This is emotional torture. It's horrific what they are doing to our kids. Schools have no right, no right whatsoever to sever or undermine that ordained reality. The best thing that we can do with our lives is not our careers. It's not our jobs. It's raising our children in the way of the Lord. That makes all the difference in a child's life. Welcome to... Through the fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today. Talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. Hello, hello everybody. I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. Welcome to Through the Fire, where we are on the case seeking to tackle the tough issues and chaos in the culture today with some psychological Mm -hmm. and theological explanations and applications. And today, one of the toughest areas out there is the education of our children. Right. Raising them up to be self-confident, responsible adults in a world that seems to incentivize people to remain juveniles. It really does, doesn't it? I mean, Marie, I think you're right. More and more people are being told that uh, experts, we just just need experts to tell us how to live. And the rest of us then, you know, I think we're just supposed to do what we're told. Yes, that's the spirit behind so many discussions today. For instance, remember last week we were talking about that COVID article? You're bringing up COVID again? (laughs) I know, I know, I know, (laughs) I know. I told you that I didn't want to talk about that anymore. Yes. I mean, isn't it time for us to weigh the facts, you know, assess the risks and just get back to living each day, working, serving, taking care of our loved ones? I mean, who else is going to do that for? us, right? right? But then you saw that article, remember? I do. It was the one that said where you could and you couldn't go if you wanted to remain well and healthy. Again, yeah. Or you could get sick and die, right? That's right. And of course, the implication <laughs> is that if you didn't do what this article said, you would surely die. I know. And remember? Was, yeah, yeah. I remember that article. It talked about 35 places that you shouldn't go if you wanted to remain healthy. And they were ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, it was so funny. I remember it. You can't go out for a walk. You cannot go out for a walk by yourself in the middle of nowhere. You can't do it. You can't go hiking. And they went through all of these different things about where you cannot go. Most of them were outside. That's what was cracking me up. And then finally, at the, I think the last one they had was, don't be near a sick person. And, I, and it was just, I came running downstairs and I said, Marie, you got to see this article. I mean, the only place you can actually go is in your house. And actually, you can only go in one room in your house, and then you have to stay there because you can't. Yeah, they even said you can't visit with family. You can't visit with friends. You can't. I just thought this is crazy. Yeah. And who's writing this stuff? Mm-hmm. They're they're writing this stuff. The government officials are still locking us down. Uh, they're basically apl- implying that when it comes to rules for daily life, they make them. Of course, they break them. Mm-hmm. And we're told what to do. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this article is written this month with a virus weakening and when herd immunity is happening (laughs) and they're still writing this kind of thing, trying to lock us down. Right. I mean, it's like we've been saying it's time to say enough. And I think, you know, concerning COVID, that time may be coming finally. But there there are other issues, if you can imagine, that are even more problematic. And one of them is the education of our children. Mm -hmm. Right. The education unions are becoming more blatant and aggressive in determining not just what children are being taught. They are determining how children are to think about so many issues. And very often, the underlying principle is that they are experts and our children 
are the laboratory subjects, and we parents are merely to supply the children and do what we are told. You know, and you and I have both seen this coming for a while. Mm -hmm. I mean, now remember back, now I'm going to take you back a a ways. Remember back in New York when we had that graduate who came to help us to start a preschool in Chinatown? Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. And I'm I'm not trying to embarrass her or anything like this, but I just remember prepping her for her interview. Sure. And she came back the next day after the interview and I said, how did it go? And she said, I did great, Pastor. Mm -hmm. I did really well. And then she proceeded to tell me that she instructed instructed the mothers of Chinatown about the new ways to raise their children mm-hmm. and that she would instill such things in her preschool oversight. Yeah. I, I was a guest. I remember said, mm-hmm. you did not tell the mothers who are raising their children in lower Manhattan who are working 15 hours a day providing both economic support to their families, along with their husbands, of course, and moral guidance. They got their kids in church every Sunday, and now they want to give their children over to us during the day. You did not tell them as a BA grad student of 20, 20, 22 years, <laughs> not married, no family, no discernible work with children. You did not tell them that you knew better how to raise their children, did you? Well, I told them about the new ways, and I think they were impressed, she said. <laughs> she did not get the job. Mm-hmm. And and I always, for me, I always wondered where that confidence came from, mm-hmm. and because it was arrogance, and it came purely from education. It oh, was amazing to me. Yeah, absolutely. It is amazing. And sadly, you know, we're seeing that kind of arrogance throughout the public school system, even in some private school systems. Right. I mean, which is sad, right? But but at least in private schools, parents still do have a yeah, say. Right. It's much more than in the public school system. Uh, I just saw an article about the public school training for teachers in the Chicago schools. And by the way, when I when when I spoke with Pastor Corey Brooks, uh, that's right. Know, he he talked about this. It, right. It's a really big problem. That's why he's for school choice. And you know, I went to public schools and I support public schools, but not what's happening in there today. Right. You know. So this, I want I want to talk about some of these things that that are being trained. Uh, the teachers are being trained uh, to to adhere to. Right. So there was a hundred and four slide PowerPoint. And the title of it was Supporting Gender, Non-Binary, and Gender Non-Conforming Students. Mm -hmm. And this asserted that everybody has multiple overlapping identities and that gender and sex are socially constructed. Did you hear that? Yeah. Uh Socially constructed, meaning that they've been created and enforced by the people in a society. And another part of the presentation told teachers not to disclose to the parents if their child identifies as a different gender, you know, other than what they were born biologically, right, or prefers different pronouns. And it cautioned the teachers that there could be consequences for failing to comply. So they threatened the teachers. Right. Okay. They I, threatened them. There's a lot of teachers who are upset about this too, but they don't feel they have any power. They, well, they're not. They don't, they do not have right, the power. Right. The best they can do is comply if they want to keep their jobs. Right. But the worst part of all of this is that they advocate keeping parents in the dark mm. on all of this. This is horrific. This has been coming for a while. And I want, I'll talk about this a little bit more in a, um, in a minute. But here's another quote from that presentation and training. It's a discussing a student's transition with their parent or guardian without the student's explicit consent is not permitted. Uh, and another slide report uh, reportedly said, disclosure of this kind can create an unsafe situation for the student. Can you imagine? And this doesn't. And they could be really young children That's in grade right. school. And, and even if it's not, if it's teenagers, right. it's, it's just as, right. it's it's different, and it's it's horrific in a different way. So this is both a legal and a safety concern, and there is no age restriction on this guidance. See, and this is so crazy. 
and it is completely out of line. You know, we, we can't expect our children not to be swayed by all of this. If the teachers, the principals, the peer pressure aligns one way, mm-hmm. they will be abusively coerced to think as they are told, rather than to learn to think for themselves, to think critically, and of course, to think faithfully as the Bible instructs. So, mm-hmm. folks... This is a direct assault on the authority of parents to raise their children. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even worse, it's a direct assault on Christian parents to raise their children with biblical wisdom concerning sex, sexual practice, and healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I try to remind people that in the Bible, the most important structures in life are family and church. Uh, Government came later. Government came after mankind and womankind fell into sin, you know? So when when a government tries to take over family and morality, mm-hmm. it's things are going to be askew because whenever that happens, we get tyranny, violence, and destruction, and we cannot just give our children over to this. That's right. I mean, this is really bad on so many levels. I mean, psychologically for the children, it's horrific and, and it's, you know, it's torturous really because what they're doing is they're implanting in these children that their parents cannot, will not uh, support them, help sort out any kind of a confusion they have, as well as a stranger, somebody that they have for one year, a few right. months. Right. The public school system, the you know the administrators there, the counselors that they may take them to, which, by the way, any licensed counselor today must affirm any child, anybody sitting in front of them, an adult even. But it's different if you're an adult because at least your brain has been formed enough and you've lived enough life where you're making this conscientious decision. When you're a child, everything is emotionally based for the most part. Your brain hasn't formed. So when they're sitting here and they're making, they're implanting these questions in these children, which, by the way, if a child doesn't have a firm foundation and everything is shaky, especially towards those that they should be able to lean into and rely upon the most, their parents, their grandparents, then that creates fear. Fear creates anxiety. This is emotional torture. It's horrific what yeah. they are doing to our kids. And you wonder now why the rate of attempted suicide has increased so much. Look at what is being done in the schools. Well, you know, I wish that was the only example like you were just talking about of the kinds of things that are happening. But there's also another indoctrination happening in our schools through the CRT movement and the, right, critical the BL, race theory, BLM yeah. movement. Mm-hmm. And, and the, again, folks, don't fall for the notion that this is about race and racial reconciliation. Mm-hmm. It's anything but that. Mm-hmm. Those are valid concerns. Those are concerns we all should have. Sure. Um, because racial reconciliation has as its goal not to be judged by one's skin color, but by the content of one's character. Right. And character is something that is determined by God, by his word. And we all need to live up to these uh, wonderful ideals that then bond us together as the human race. But in Denver, again, the teachers are being told to teach your children a whole lot of other things that have nothing to do with what I just said. Mm-hmm. And and they talked about the BLM principles. So let me tell which you. Which are Marxist. Yeah. Which, it's all Marxist. Well, let me just, I'm going to again tell you what those principles are because we don't hear what are the principles of this movement. Mm-hmm. But a flyer circulated that, that uh, was talking about this and it said, here are the guiding principles of the Black Lives Matter teaching that was happening in school. Restorative justice, which is it's called Marxism, it equity, yeah. not equality of access, transgender affirming, queer affirming, globalism, and here comes the disruption of the Western nuclear family and its dynamics. Exactly. They're very obvious about what they're trying to do. Now they have taken some of these oh, things down. Oh, they've taken down now, now that people are starting to read. That's right. You know, right. and so... Um, 
I, here's a quote from that article too, Erica uh, Sanzi, Director of Outreach at Parents Defending Education. She said, it's preposterous and wholly inappropriate to teach five and six-year-olds that mm-hmm. they must commit to being trans-affirming, queer-affirming, and in favor of disrupting their family. <laughs> you were just talking about how they're trying to divide the children they are. from the families. Yes. Um, this is indoctrination, this person said, at any age, but it borders on abuse with students this young. So if a parent wants it to raise yeah, these, these subjects at home, that's one thing. But in a class there's nothing more uh, than this is social engineering mm-hmm. and theft of, of childhood by the state. So to me, it amazes me. But this educational bureaucrat thinks that they have authority over my child. Mm-hmm. Um, but where are they going to be when the children are struggling in high school or in early adulthood? Where are they going to be when they're conflicted with their the Bible's beautiful view of them and the ugliness that they're being told in school? Where are these people going to be safely in their homes while our children are in our homes and their lives are in disarray. Right. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I've i worked in counseling in universities, and I will tell you one of the best things that happens whenever kids go away to university and they do spend time where they are actually having to just monitor their own behavior, right? No one's really looking over their shoulders. And they have an opportunity to question, you know, their values and their life and the, the places they've been. But it's different if they're just learning and reaffirming or questioning what they've learned and why they believe what they believe. And, you know, reevaluating, that's different than when you're having propaganda shoved down your throat. And so what I, what's happened Well, and is, you said at a time when they can't critically even think. Yes. And so whenever they're away from home, they're already trying to adjust, right? They're trying to adjust to a new environment. There's already a little bit of fear in that. There's also excitement in that. Whenever they're entering a classroom and they're being told that their parents are more stupid than they are, that they're not as enlightened as they are, that their parents uh, have some kind of dysfunctional way of thinking and that they are going to, you know, rise way above what their parents parents have and and be the generation of you know the of the now and the here and the enlightened they come into my office and they're 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 so angry they're so angry because they don't know what to think about their parents they feel separated from their parents there's so much anxiety it's just it's awful what's happening so that's why parents um and listen here you have such power and authority but even more so such an opportunity so the best thing that we can do with our lives is not our careers it's not our jobs it's not our uh, our notoriety it's raising our kids, our children in the way of the Lord. So we right. need to get involved and we need to ask questions and we need to look at what's happening. And the Bible tells us that the blessing of raising them up properly when they're young and it will guide them when they're old. Right. And so these kids, you know, if we give them a firm foundation, they will question what, what's being taught to them. They can leave, you know, if they have to. Um, the value of bonding with mothers and fathers and knowing the challenges of personal responsibility in this arena of love and respect in the home, that makes all the difference in a child's life. And as they grow, I mean, schools have no right, no right whatsoever to sever or undermine that ordained reality. And we allow it to happen at the peril of our children, of our families and of our communities. And that's what I think is so shocking. You know, again, there's all kinds of analogies we could talk about but, you know, that's one of the reasons why when you play sports, they teach you all the fundamentals. They teach you, they put you through all these different drills. They have all these kind of things because when the game starts, you have to rely on those things. Well, here are people who are undermining mm-hmm. those those kind of values, those kind of things that are that we're trying to teach into our children. Mm-hmm. Well, Marie, you know, well said for what you're talking about. But before I share a story that I came across this week, why don't you tell the parents out there who are struggling, uh, tell them about your service and, and your work and your availability to help if they'd like. Sure. 
Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so um, we have condescent counseling and coaching, and we are available to you if you if you have any questions. Also, I want you to talk because you have some resources on your site as well for, well, it, we, for Washington, D.C. Yeah, lcrlfreedom.org, lcrlfreedom.org. And we have a lot more resources when it comes to education, educational choice, those kinds of things that you can put to work for the sake of your child as well. And yours are more helping parents cope with some of these things with their kids. Right. And also, if you're a student and you, you want to talk about some of these things that you're learning, I mean, you, please feel free to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to... Uh, our website and, and make an appointment there. It's uh, cccc-usa.com. That's four C's, cccc-usa.com. Or you can call us at 636-368-5383. That's 636-368-5383. And uh, we're always available and everything is confidential. So please do reach out to us. Um, so thanks for, for bringing that and giving sure. me that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to let everybody know again about our willingness to go deeper with these issues with you. And if you're willing with all of these issues as parents, if you've been struggling together, even by yourself, or just want another helpful voice in your life to work through these things, give us a call. Um, we're here to help. Okay. Very That's good. our story. Very go on. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <there. laughs> Well, okay, the story, yeah, you were talking about, um, I I ran across this story. Now, when I tell this, uh, I think to some degree, this is a, some of it's a bit mythological, but it's built on a Mm truism. So the truth is the truth, okay, Mm -hmm. and I'll get to the heart of it. But it's a story about Thomas Edison and, uh, and a faithful mother who made all the difference in his life. And, and the, the myth of it is, how how or why she did it. The fact mm-hmm. is she did do what I'm going to tell you that she did. Mm-hmm. But there was a, supposedly a letter that came home one day with little Thomas and he and it said, you know, have your mother read this. And she, she opened it up, but with tears in her eyes, she read, you know, uh, dear uh, Mrs. Edison, your son is uh, a genius. We don't have enough uh, teachers to really handle, you know, the things he needs. Please educate him by yourself. Okay, and as the story is told uh, later on, Edison, as you know, now he, he grows to become one of the greatest inventors, one of the brightest minds of our of our time. He, when his mom passed away, he runs across this letter. But actually, what it said was, uh, "Dear Mrs. Edison, your son is addled," which back in that mm-hmm. meant, you know, that he uh, was, was mentally mm-hmm. charged. Mm-hmm. In fact, an idiot. They said in some mm-hmm. ways, and he's uh, he's disruptive. Um, we don't, we can't teach him. We don't want to teach him. You teach him yourself. Mm-hmm. Now that's the myth of it. The reality is he was labeled adult. I mean, they actually did. And they actually kicked him out of school and his mother had to rise up to raise him at home. So when you think about this, um, she actually not only took it upon herself, mm-hmm. she gave him one of the best educations. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you go back, she, he read the classics, he studied philosophy, science at home, all in the context of, of a worldview that was honoring all these kinds of things. And when it all comes out in the wash, he's one of the greatest inventors, one of the greatest minds oh in our time. Mm-hmm. And so, again, the, the point I wanted to make is that's a parent who that kid could have fallen in between the cracks. Mm-hmm. That could have could have been you know uh, 
fallen out of society's good graces very quickly and, and amounted to nothing. Right. She Humiliated in school. Right. She wouldn't let it happen. Mm, that's a mother's love. You know, parents, you have an enormous responsibility and opportunity. There's no reason that you can't work with educators and others. Right. Some of you are able to do it from your home, too. I mean, the point, you are the one who is tasked with the responsibility of raising and directing your children. Yeah. yeah, you are the one who ultimately disciplines, directs, gives opportunity, challenges, encourages, loves, supports your children. Right. And when it's all said and done, parents, you who try to raise your children faithfully, you help create a humane, civil, honoring community because your children carry those values and knowledge out to other people. And, and it's time to reclaim our children's education. I mean, what, what are some of those ways, Greg? You... Well, yeah, there's a lot of ways. But, you know, I was just thinking about what you just said. You carry those values out into the community. Mm-hmm. I remember when people used to say, you're, you're Larry Seltz's kid, you know. <laughs> and part of it is because my dad had, had respect. My mom had respect in the community. And, and when they said, oh, you're their child, you, you were proud of that. Right. You, you were like, sense oh. sense of belonging. Yeah. Yes, and I not, am. Not only am I that, but I, they, I was known for being kind of like a chip off the old block kind of thing. <laughs> and that was a good thing. Um, so, yeah, there are many ways, we, you know, we can deal with this. We've talked about petitioning school boards or joining them to be an influence. And that that's where you can. If you really want to do that, yeah, you can get involved. Um, you know, in, in fact, in one of the other articles, I love one of the quotes of the teachers. And that one of the teachers wanted to remain anonymous, said, I understand that my own personal beliefs won't always align with those of a company or a school district that I work for. Um, but that's not the issue, she said. In this mm-hmm. situation, my school district is teaching false information mm-hmm. about gender and sex to its employees, literally teaching them that it's all a social construct. What type of education are we providing when we articulate lies to our students in the name of keeping this comfortable? And that's one of the reasons why I said, you know, I don't know if if just petitioning the school board is going to be enough, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Because this quote informs me that even um, the teachers, uh, even they are a a bit under siege and and they feel helpless to change it. Well, absolutely. They're being threatened too. They have Mm. to comply or lose their jobs. I mean, I think that this is one of the reasons for the enormous rise in homeschooling across the nation. That's why it's happening. I mean, it's amazing. Parents are getting together, teaching their own children. Um, you know, they can a- assess curricula that they find capable and acceptable, and they can find capable teachers from, you know, among themselves. And, you know, they share those responsibilities right. and they can set up socializing events for their children, which is just as important as the academic part. And they can do this and they are. Yeah. and But I hate to tell you this, but on the Hill, the homeschool movement is also the target of, yeah, of, of the unions now. because it's undercutting the <laughs> union's authority and, and they're going to try to regulate even that into compliance. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're always mm-hmm. going to find a way. I mean, they're always going to threaten. So if they are such a threat, you know, they must be also yeah, doing they, something good, right? I think so. That's the point. Yeah. So parents, you know, you can get involved. That's for sure. You're just going to have to think of different ways to do it, but you need to stay very involved. And, you know, you work with people in D.C. and, right. and there's a rising movement there and in many states around the country. I mean, tell our listeners about that. And yeah. And that's the parental choice movement. And it is a movement that puts parents back in control of the resources that our community allocates for education. But remember, those resources come from you, parents. Mm -hmm. You usually pay them in your property taxes. That's where it usually comes from. So this is not the government's money. It's our money pooled together. Right. Parental choice movement. Right. And so it's parental choice because it gives them the money, the access to that money to the parents, and the parents can take that uh, wherever they want. And folks, it's supported politically virtually by all parents, black, white, and all ethnicities in between. Why? 
Well, because parents know it's the best way to empower our children, you know, to make sure that they get a good education, a good moral-based education. Uh, that's what's best for them. And so they want that for their children, and they're going to want that for their children more than any teacher. I mean, there's good teachers, there's good principals and even administrators, but they're not to replace the parents. And truth be told, concerning the racial issues today, empowering families to stay together and giving parents choice in their children's education, it's the greatest solution to these problems as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, on the Hill, one of the, you know, when we get involved in these racial discussions, I usually ask right up front, what do you think about parental choice? And what do you think about empowering the family to stay together? If they actually have policies that dismantle the family and despise choice, then they don't actually care for those communities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so again, you know, when you think of these things, um, we can actually be a part of the solution. I know some of it's tough. Some of these are tough words, uh, but it's the truth. And and we want you to feel like you can make a difference for your own family. Right. So getting back to what really matters matters, right? Right. And our relationships, taking responsibility for those people whom God has put into our lives, our husbands, our wives, our children, our neighbors, it all starts there. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't pass off that responsibility or that authority without destructive consequences to those we love in the neighborhoods where we live. I mean, getting involved seeing what your children are taught, teaching them yourself or taking the money, which is your money, by the way, and uh, talking to the school of your choice. These are the opportunities that present themselves at the moment. And we don't have time to waste because every year we continue in this present status. Um, They get more and more of our money. They create greater and greater barriers to our oversight of what they're teaching our children. And, you know, even like I said, even the teachers are finding themselves powerless a bit to do Mm -hmm. this. I just saw an article that stated 30 percent of Americans now presently identify as no religious affiliation after all. Well, of course, because they go into school eight hours a day where they're being where that stuff is being laughed at. So mm-hmm. uh, that shouldn't surprise us since public education has gutted providential the providential notion of history. Mm-hmm. You know, as if God doesn't matter. It's gutted ethics and traditional mor- morality from our curriculum. It's teaching libertinism and experimentation in all the wrong areas of our young people's mm-hmm. lives, and it's dividing parents from students, etc. So it shouldn't surprise us. But I'm telling you the solution is within our grasp, that's for sure. Yeah, so some disturbing news for sure, but maybe some that's good. Right. Because it's sobering and finally telling us what is at stake. I mean, at least there's awareness, right? Right. The secularizing of our children's education means that they don't know that they have a worth either because they and that they are created in God's image. Right. They're not taught that. So they don't know how precious they are and how precious life is and, and how sacred it is because it's a gift from God. Right. And they don't know that their parents, the ones who do seem like the enemy at times, <laughs> Yeah, at times, yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, hello, if you're being a good parent, you're going to be seen as the enemy. I mean, I accept that, right? You're not their friend. They'll have plenty of friends. You're their parent, right? So they're the ones, you know, that's might, even though they might seem like they're, you know, the enemy, they're the ones that are committed to loving uh, the kids and preparing them to be all that they can be. And for whatever's coming in the future in their life. And they're going to be part of their life for a lot longer than a teacher, uh, (laughs) administrator. Yeah, who won't even remember their face after a few years or their name. You know, and finally, our founding fathers knew that religious liberty and moral conscience, that's the arena of the church and the family. Mm -hmm. It's the foundation of all other liberties. And if you dispose with them, you do it at uh, your own peril, actually at the peril of us all. Yes, I was going to say that. Yeah, absolutely. But the opportunities are all around us even now, aren't they? In some ways, like never before, if we'll rise 
to the occasion. Yeah, so let's rise. Let's rise. Yeah. And always remember there are two kinds of fire in the world. The one that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face (laughs) any fire. Till next time, little embers, I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. See See you you soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media, familyvisionmedia.org.